This is the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, November 21st. Well, another day in Minnesota sports as we're kind of in that little lull before we get to the prep bowl coming up towards the end of the week and into the weekend and winter sports hasn't quite fully picked up across central Minnesota. We're still kind of uh, working on those things, but there's a lot of state sports to talk about. And as we uh, let Corey Tackman get settled uh, in in here today, hey, Corey, uh, joining us uh, today, we have... uh, Kind of an interesting little uh, situation here. We were just talking about uh, gopher football because, of course, the axe is uh, uh, the battle for the axe is on Saturday. Saturday. Better dead than red, baby. Better dead than red. And the the question kind of got brought up to you. Would you rather make a bowl game? This is a binary option. Would you rather make a bowl game or keep the axe? You know, my my heart wants to wants to say I'd, I just would rather keep the axe away from stupid Wisconsin. But bowl eligibility is is not it it shouldn't be that difficult. Now, not in today's college football now. Now, do I think the Gophers are going to get a bowl game even if they lose to Wisconsin? I do. There's 6 million bowl games. But technically the Gophers are not bowl eligible. Which means they could not get a bowl game well, in the year of 2023, the year of our Lord. Because six wins is typically that threshold of getting a bowl game. It has been historically, yes. like you said, they've increased the amount of bowl games because TV revenue conquers all. Yep. So some five-win teams, they say it's like based on your GP, team GPA. Whatever. Basically, they look at your market. Power five school, five wins, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll get you out in a bowl game somewhere. I, th- I really do think that they'll get a bowl game. The fact of the matter is, as of right now, they're not bowl eligible, which means they have to beat Wisconsin, which would be the third year in a row, I think. Yep. Um, that'd be fun. They would have, they'd keep the axe. That would be fun. Um, it would get them to six wins. It's been it's been a not fun season. Uh, here's a great take I heard. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd never heard it put quite so succinctly as this, but um, it was said to me. Bowl eligibility is the minimum requirement of keeping your job as a head coach. Interesting. And I have a hard time disagreeing with that. I I can't say I do either. So, you know. Five wins. Five wins. And that's that's what they're at. Okay, so six wins. They would finish at five hundred. Yep. You gotta be you gotta be five hundred and get to a bowl to keep your to keep yeah. your job. Well, especially considering of where P.J. Fleck is at, right? This isn't year zero. This isn't year one. This isn't even year two. This is year seven. Right. You can't be scratching and clawing your way to six wins. I understand the Gophers had the third toughest schedule coming into FBS at the start of the season. Uh, That doesn't excuse losses to Illinois. That doesn't excuse losses to Northwestern. Um, That certainly doesn't excuse just some of the uh, well, they they got just absolutely boat raced by Purdue, uh, so it doesn't it doesn't excuse any of those things. Those were all games on the schedule. It's like okay, the Gophers like have a chance to win those, and they took themselves out of each contest. And this isn't a fire PJ Fleck thing. I'm not. I'm certainly not on that bandwagon. But what I am to say is, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't make a bowl game this year, it's wouldn't be shocking. Uh, like it wouldn't be unprecedented to let somebody go. Now the Gophers won't do that, but 
All right, let me if throw a scenario. If he misses two years in a row, uh, they, that seat should be pretty hot. Let's let me throw a scenario at you then. Let let's say they 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 make a bowl game. They get a bowl game with only five wins this year. Mm-hmm. And next season they do the exact same thing. Only five wins. They get a bowl game. Is he fired then? It's might be the how how they do in those bowl games is it, the answer to that. It might depend, yeah, and it might depend on who they end up playing. If they play like a school from the Sun Belt and lose, you know, it's not necessarily a good look for was, the program. Yeah, I was gonna say if you go okay, so you end the regular season with five wins, you get a bowl game, you win both of those bowl games for the next two years. So you end with six wins. Mm-hmm. You're en- you're gonna end at six and and seven. Yeah, would be your final record in in both of those seasons. Mm-hmm. Below five hundred, I, I, he might not. He's going to have his job at the end of this year. Yeah, at, at this time next year, if the, if we're in this exact same spot, he might be done. Well, the schedule will be a lot softer next year. He might not get the. He might not even coach in the bowl game <laughs> next year if that's the case. Yeah, and right. And look, PJ Fleck has done a lot for this school. Obviously, giving them an, a, a New Year's Day bowl. Giving them the an Outback Bowl win that like a huge moment for the program, but also, Corey, that was four years ago now. An entirely new crop of students are there. I want to I want to be very uh, upfront about this. Yeah, when when PJ first got here, I was I was pretty out on the on the rah rah stuff. Mm-hmm. I was pretty out on it. I over time have been proved incorrect on that. Um, what he has, it, it seems very evident the guys want to play for him. It seems very evident that, um, uh, you know, team GPA and team unity and everything that's important that's not football is as good as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And at some point, also, coaching matters. Right. So if this were, if we were having this conversation six years ago, I would have been like, this guy's annoying. I still think some of that's annoying, but I'm willing to accept that I'm wrong because it's all the stuff he did with Casey O'Brien that w- that went very public. Like that stuff really matters. It's very important, and I'm and I uh, will never discredit that from this point forward. It really matters. Yeah. Um, and I would want to play for a coach like that. At some point, the coaching has to also matter. At some point, you have to win football games. That you are the head coach. And at some point, right? you're not the head cheerleader. You're not the head recruiter. You're not the the head of of morality and 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 um and moral victories. You're the head coach, where actual victories are important. Uh huh. That's. I mean, and here's the final thing I'll say on this, so we can move on to the next topic. But yeah, I mean, at a, he's done good job recruiting. He's done a good job with all that program stuff. And, but at the same time, you can be all as rah-rah as you want, but when you play the most boring style of football I've ever seen in my life, uh, when you when you are all the rah-rah of a cheerleader, but yet all of the charisma on the field of Kirk Ferentz and Iowa, not even Kirk Ferentz, his son Brian, who's getting ousted as offensive coordinator of the Hawkeyes, when that's your offensive identity, it's bad. When you have a quarterback as your captain that you don't trust to throw the football, what are you doing? And if you're doing that because you don't think your team is capable of doing anything else, you've almost been there a decade. Right, exactly. They walked this in, is your problem that you've created. They've walked into the Ohio... Last year they had 
the Penn State game. This year was the Ohio State and the Michigan game. They walk into all those games waving the white flag immediately as they get in there. There is no, let's go in and give them an upset. It's a, let's get in and get out and let's not get everybody hurt and let's move on to the next one. Who, what are we doing? What, like, that's the, anyway, all right, so. He's had pros at every position. He's at pros at every position except for quarterback. I want to be. I want to be totally he's a good, fair. Right. He's done I, a lot of good for the program. I want to be totally fair about this. At some point, I mean, we can't just be doing this. Right. At some point, we can't be clinging on to 2019 because as fun as that year was, and it was a blast, it's four years ago now. So, uh, I, okay, Corey, here's another take that I've been thinking of, and I need you to either uh, talk me off the ledge okay. or with two feet or two hands or two feet, I guess, if you wanna, if you want to. <laughs> Uh, Maybe I'll shove you off the ledge with two hands. Yeah, or kick me. I don't know. Either way. Uh, so here's my take. So uh, the guy's name uh, uh, for the uh, for the Broncos, whose name escapes me, the safety who had the hit on Josh Dobbs that caused the fumble or was on the, the oh. fumble play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got suspended for four games because he just got off of like a game suspension. Yep, Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson, name. yes, dirty player. Uh, and he got a hit. On Dobbs, they didn't call it on the field. Uh, there was a fumble on the play. It didn't cause the fumble, but it would have negated the fumble. Uh, and, of course, like there goes the whole rigmarole, like Sean Payton's defenses are dirty. Imagine that. And uh, since he got suspended, Vikings fans everywhere go, but it doesn't matter because he didn't call it in the game situation. So, cool, he got suspended. But, like, that dude was legitimately coming off a suspension for not just, like, what am I supposed to do? It's not that, oh, defenses can't play anymore. The dude's legitimately headhunting with his own head. Like, that's not, that's something that would have been called for a penalty in the 80s. And he's doing that. But my take is a lot of Vikings fans need to get over that it was a non call a little bit here. Uh, I know it led to a field goal and it, it did change the game. My take is that, like, guys, when you do this after a loss, it just looks like you're kind of whining. A little bit here and the Vikings did so many other things to lose that football game that you can't point to that one decision first of all again a too cute play call by Kevin O'Connell having TJ Hawkinson who's never taken a snap under center pitch it to Josh Dobbs who then puts him out in a chance to get smoked the way he did Josh Dobbs went to the medical tent after that play to get evaluated like my whole thing is like that whole thing was a disaster from the get-go now it should have been a penalty but my whole thing is, am I overreacting or or do am I onto something here? Well, let me tell. I think here's my first my, my initial reaction to this is, um, um, you've you've brought this specific play up twice now, this week, mm-hmm. and um, um, here's my my first answer is I think you're overreacting to the the Hawkinson play. Okay. I think I, I that's the first thing I think. You brought that play up a couple times, you just hate it. You just hate it. And you've called it too cute on multiple occasions. My uh, like eh, I I'm not I'm not that bothered by the play. That would be the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say to your main point is Yeah, man, I'm I'm I I think you're I think you're right. It's easy when you um lose and your favorite team loses to nitpick all of the things that went that that felt like an injustice. <laughs> well, especially when it's the other team infracturing upon you, because then you can kind of scapegoat it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and to your point, this guy, uh, uh, Kareem Jackson, his name, he had previously been suspended for four games. It was his first game back. And it was his first game back, and the reason why is because that suspension got reduced to two games. 
So um, the reason why you suspend a guy for four games is because you think that's how much time he needs to learn his lesson. And then you're like, meh, two games is good enough. And then he comes right back and now has been, he'll be suspended for four games. The actual suspension should now be six games to right. even out the, the, the two suspensions. Either way, um, I don't like the play by that guy. Um, he sh- it should have been called for a penalty. It wasn't called for a penalty. They, they, I mean, if you go into the grocery store and you pull pork loin off the shelf and you just walk right out of the store and you just steal it and somebody from the store doesn't shoot you in the face, <laughs> doesn't that, does that mean you should no longer then get arrested either? Like, what? I got away with it then. You came, you found me a week later and arrested me. That doesn't make sense. This, it's the, he's punished for his, his wrong, his, his, his ill intent. Yeah. I have no issue with, with that it was missed. Things get missed. They punished him later. They got it right. Yeah. What else can you, what else can you do? I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that's a thing Vikings fans can nitpick considering all, Again, three turnovers. Yeah, three turn. That was one of three turnovers. If you don't commit the other two, then whatever. But yeah, and also it just comes after a loss, so it's really hard to not come away, even if that's not your intent. I'm not saying that's what every fan is doing. It's just really hard to come away with that. Uh, So uh, here's the other thing, Corey. Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, they still are the number one team in the West. Their best start since the 0-1-0-2 season. Jeez, Uh, 20 years? Yeah, they are undefeated at the Target Center. It's their best start at the Target Center. Six and oh. Yeah, six and oh. I think it like ties a franchise record. Uh they're nine and oh when Cat and Ant both score twenty points, which they did last night. Which makes sense. That's not like when I your mean, best two players have good games, you typically win. Correct. Yeah. So they they both have good games. Cat is playing really, really well. Cat I don't even know if you could call it sneaky good. He's just been straight up awesome for He's like been, for like two weeks. He's been straight up good. Rudy Gobert has been the ultimate rim protector. Teammates know how to play with him now. They can set him up for lobs. They understand how to how he defends down at the rim. It feels like everything is kind of coming together the way that Tim Connolly and Chris Finch thought when they traded for Gobert and they and the cat didn't have to rim protect. And Gobert could do that. And Ant can continue to be Ant. Uh, how much stock are we buying in this Wolves team? I know your thought is always when things get weird, you're ready to leave. But how how has your opinion on the Wolves changed and, and kind of how are you expecting to follow them throughout the season, kind of just on a gut level? Well, there's certain levels of maturity that are uh, are subjective. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, can, if you can pin them on certain things. But there are things like, um, are you helping your teammates score points, Anthony Edwards? Cool, you can do it yourself. Um, are you a playmaker for other people? And he that, has been. And he has been. There's things like, do you care about playing good defense on the ball and help? Help Playing good help defense is a sign of maturity. Mm-hmm. Playing bad on-ball defense is a sign of ability. Right. Like, if you can't play good on, but you can always be there to help somebody, that's a sign of maturity and understanding the game and understanding the game plan. They're doing, the, they're, they're doing that extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be inconsistent. They're inconsistent personalities. They're going to be inconsistent offensively. That's just the way the game goes. Can you continue to be strong mentally and help people defensively playing good? I mean, all of that stuff is they shine on that end of the floor in ways that they haven't before. It's, it's 
it's a good thing happening right now. A good thing happening. All right, there we go. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, November 21st.